It has been a big year. We started this podcast. Oh, and I guess the ACCC has been pretty busy as well. Yeah, definitely. Hit it. bonus episode of the podcast keeping up with the consumer law my name's joel greger joining me as always is my co-host joel lisk g'day g'day indeed lots has been going on since we finished in 2023 season one when did we wrap it up i can't even remember it's about two months ago now wasn't it, it, it yeah it, it feels like that long ago yep cool so uh, a lot has happened since then we thought we'd run you through some of the most recent news uh before we do that as always, quick thanks to the Law Foundation of SA for making this first season of the podcast possible. And the usual disclaimer, this is purely uh, educational. It's not legal advice. Yes, there is no legal advice here. There is no legal advice this here. This is not the legal advice you're looking for. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's Those drones are elsewhere. Right. We are going to smash through this, jump straight into it. Everyone's favourite national airline. Yes. Qantas. Yes. Hit us list. What have Qantas been up to? Well, it's pretty hard. Or to not m- been up to. Yeah, it's pretty hard to miss what Qantas has or has not been up to. I think it's going to be harder to narrow down what we mean by what has Qantas been up to. A lot's been going on with Qantas. What are we concerned about with Qantas? So we're not talking about Qantas's board turmoil or CEO changeover. We're talking about its consumer law compliance, of course. We're not even talking about my wife's lost luggage because we ended up getting that paid for. So all good. Okay, well, we're talking about ghost flights now before i get too far i'm sorry i'm gonna have to do the disclaimer everything we're talking about with Qantas is alleged it hasn't been proven in court yet so Qantas are alleged to do all the things we're talking about i think yet is the key word there but we'll see how we go we'll see we'll see we'll let that one play out before the courts what are we allegedly talking about Qantas having done now it's i'm probably going to be repeating this for most people listening because it's been pretty bad what they did allegedly so they allegedly um, sold ghost flights. And what do I mean by ghost flights? So here's an actual example from some of the ACCC's pleadings. So if you want to travel from Adelaide to Melbourne on the 11th of May in 2022, you know, you book your flight. Great time to fly. It's a great time to fly. May, beautiful weather everywhere, hopefully. Um, so you're lazy though, but you book your flight on the 28th of Feb. You know, that's not too far out. It's still a month and a bit, right? I have never booked a flight that far out. Okay, that's good to know. Um, Turns out, if you book your flight on the 28th of Feb, wanting to travel in May, uh, Qantas actually cancelled that flight on the 17th of February, didn't take it off of sale until the 14th of March, and so you just kept selling it, right? Yeah, sounds sounds fair. What's the problem with that? So the problem is, Qantas were marketing these flights for nearly, what, that's at least another fortnight, nearly a month actually, Yeah. when they'd actually already cancelled the flight. So they're taking your money... They're selling it to... They're advertising it publicly. They're they're taking the money from people, but they'd actually cancelled the flight a month earlier, allegedly. Now, this would be an issue if that was the uh, the item they were selling, the contract they were entering into, wouldn't it? I was about to say, like, the whole season we've been talking about things like, you know, you can't sell a product you don't actually plan on on giving to someone. You can't sell a service and take payment. You can't mislead them into expecting something that they're not getting. So when you when you bring all these allegations together... So why, that, why are we still saying alleged? Where's, where, how is this even contentious at this point, Liz? It's Walk be- us through it. Explain it. It's because we need to go to court and a judge needs to decide these things, unfortunately for us. So, but, but, but what's Qantas's possible explanation here? If you're selling a flight, you've got this flight listed, flight actually doesn't exist, yeah, um, 
Qantas are, alleged, are defending themselves. They, are, they have announced they're defending these proceedings. They're not admitting liability. Um, and they're mainly defending it on the argument that customers don't buy flights. Well, I mean, that makes sense. When I buy my flight, I assume I haven't bought a flight. Yeah. So their argument is in the terms and conditions, and it's very prominent on the website. I'll give them that at least. Um, they point to their terms and conditions, which say, and I'm going to quote it to make sure I get it right. We will do our best to get you where you want to be on time, but we don't guarantee flight times or schedules and they aren't part of our contract with you. What does that mean to you? Means you should have read the fine print. Probably. The idea behind that is Qantas are saying that they haven't been selling ghost flights. They sell you what they call what they've been calling a bundle of contractual rights. That as part of that, they're gonna they're going to take you from point A to point B at some time around that period. But the flight times they're selling to you and the representations around when it's going to leave and when it's going to arrive aren't actually binding. They're just kind of indicative of when they're planning on delivering the service, and that's their defence. So it hasn't really been received particularly well, but yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> It's a bit of an odd one. It's uh, you gotta you, ju- you gotta just think about the pub test at some point there, don't you? And it definitely doesn't pass that. And just for the sake of completeness, let's talk about the breach, the alleged breaches here. We're talking about misleading or deceptive conduct, uh, false or misleading statements and representations regarding quality, performance, use, or benefits of a service. I mean, about, is mere existence one of those? Well, yeah, maybe. We're also talking about misleading the public as to the characteristics of a, of the suitability of a service. And also allegations of breaching, accepting payment for services where there was no reasonable grounds for believing the service would be provided on the dates and times specified. Section 36, I reckon that's the first time we've covered that one in this season. We haven't touched on that one. That one's a bit of an interesting one, of course, because it's the idea behind it is if you accept payment as a business, you say, you know, a trade's probably a good example. You go to a tradie and they go, you know, I want to install a ceiling fan. And the tradie goes, I'll do it in two weeks time, but I need you to pay up front. You do that and then the tradie never shows up. That's wrongfully accepting payment because they've said we're going to do it on a certain date. It never happens. That's not okay. And in this case, Qantas... If, if there was no reasonable grounds for believing, if, if something's just come up in the meantime that's changed it unavoidable, that's a bit of a different scenario, isn't it? It is. And you have a reasonable time to provide the service. So, you know, I will take a deposit from you and I'll provide the service shortly. It doesn't provide a date. So you can kind of probably get over that one or two months delivery there. But with this one... Um, the argument is essentially that because Qantas were advertising the flights will be on a certain day and a certain time. Which you already know you've cancelled and don't exist. And then... Allegedly. You're still selling it for that period of time. You're potentially contravening that provision. So it'll be really interesting to see how this one plays out in court because at the moment it's looking like it's playing out in court next year. Yeah, I, I think it's been pretty clear there's no settling going on, is there? No, and just for completeness again... All allegations. I don't want my Qantas club membership cancelled. So these are yeah, all you've, allegations. You've just forked out, haven't you? This might be a risky time to exactly. Uh, so cool. yeah, I think that with that, let's move on to something let's, else. Let's let's move on. Let's pick on someone else for a little bit. Uh, unfair contract laws. We had a fair bit of change here. This has been really interesting. So we spoke about the unfair contract term provision of the ACL. Uh, uh, that was with AMI, wasn't it? The erectile dysfunction nasal spray. Yes. And, well, don't forget the injection part as well. Uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was what made it unfair. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that was a throwback to episode who somewhere between 13, 10 and 12, 13, 13 maybe. Yeah, maybe. 13, maybe. Yeah. But, but what are we talking about here? We're talking about yeah. changes, right? So yeah. the Australian government. So um, what? So so we should say when we say the changes. Oh, I've just kind of overjumped you there, but the changes aren't 
about whether a term's unfair or not. It's about the application and the outcome. Now, sorry, yeah, let's continue, please. Yeah, calm down. Jeez, I know you're I'm excited about unfair contract terms. So you've just, you've, you know, you spent too much time speaking at a brewery about unfair I contract have, terms. I have. I actually spoke about this one a bit the other way. But yeah. Anyway, so um, these changes have been a long time coming, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. um, and they've kind of spanned two government, governments. So we saw the, the proposals pop up in the dying days of the Morrison government and the Albanese government kind of tweaked them a little bit and passed some changes uh, late 2022. So the idea now is we're changing the thresholds for when protections around unfair contract terms apply. So they've massively expanded the thresholds for the small businesses that can be protected. And they've also changed how the penalty and the enforcement provisions work. So now there are serious penalties and prohibitions that come with it. Well, because that was the big issue prior to this. It was a case of if you had this unfair contract term and you argued it, you took it to court, court found in your favour, determined it to be void, cool, that term's now void. If the contract can continue, it continues. But I I don't know, my take on it was that kind of business went, oh, I'll, I'll roll risk. with it a bit. I'll take that risk. You didn't have the ACCC being able to uh, to to prosecute this, to follow it up, to to put penalties on the line since nine November. They can. Very different scenario now, isn't it? And we're not just talking a slap on the wrist here, potentially, are we? No, we're talking about fines up to, I think it's the greater of, I think it is, 50 million, three times the benefit received by the company or 30% of that company's annual turnover for the period of the breach. Yeah, I mean, that's massive. And that's for that's for companies and then for uh, personal um, uh personal uh, defendants, respondents, it's still pretty high. I can't remember the exact amount off my head, but it might be like, I shouldn't guess. I think it was around the 2 million mark. But it's, I, it's, it's a lot of money. Wrong. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's just the idea is, and you're probably seeing it a lot if you've got lots of subscriptions to online websites or you've got lots of... I've had a games. lot of terms and conditions changed lately. Yeah, lots of emails coming through saying we've changed our terms and conditions. Please get in touch for more information or, you know, they're changing. You can't do anything about it. We've changed it anyway. So... Yeah, there's a bit a bit going on there and it'll be interesting to see how the HLC moves into the future because there is a bit more to go there. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if it comes out that there's been a bunch of um, surveying of terms and conditions going on and we see a bunch of uh, infringement notices slash... Penalties appear. Penalties appearing in the next 12 months or so. Uh, yeah, so busy, busy, busy time for businesses with stand form contracts. Definitely, and it'll be great should, fun to see it appearing into the future. Should should just say there as well, this is for standard form contracts, uh, and we went into detail in that episode about what that is in, in particular. Yeah, so it's not your everyday contract, um, but it covers things like your phone contracts probably and your, you know, your home internet. And it's those ones where things. it's that take-it-or-leave-it basis when you don't have yeah. that opportunity to negotiate. I think we can keep on moving on Mm -hmm. um have i got a good business deal for you it popped up in my inbox the other day it was in my junk file but Mm -hmm. once i went in and downloaded and accessed the malware we're all good we have got some massive amounts of scams yeah coming out don't we there's a lot of scams at the moment scams are being a big are a big problem at the moment right yeah seeing them constantly i know i'm inundated with fake text messages about my stupid australia post parcel i haven't picked up that i'm not expecting or i think mine's like the ups tracker or something which is very american it's very Um, american i think my favorite ones is you know your toll payments were overdue yeah. and I think these scammers need to realise we don't have tolls in South Australia no, so it's not we, really useful we just have but broken roads this one's a bit of a, a bit of a, just a point really the HPC have been really big on consumer protection and scams they're noticing there's a lot of scams out there and they're doing a lot to try and educate people on how to avoid them so there's no real law change here um, but it's just an increase in prominence around this area 
yeah yeah just seeing a lot more action a lot more um um you know publication of it aren't we yeah and and the ACCC are currently um involved in proceedings against Meta, so the operator of Facebook, around some fake ads and some of those financial scams that appear on Facebook, but that's going to take a little bit longer to to proceed. So we're seeing a bit happening, but it's more of an education thing as opposed to an active scam thing. But it's important to raise because scams are important. That's it. Now, did I tell you, my dad bought a Jeep and couldn't get Jeep to help him fix it. Yeah. Yeah, that um, was that was your joke. Did that I do was, that justice? That I don't was know. my joke and didn't really work, did it? But didn't really okay. work, and, and I didn't get it when you wrote it down. So I say I'll, I'll put that one on you. <laughs> it comes down to a particular group of people. If you're out there and you remember those TV ads, if my dad bought a Jeep, then it really works. If not, it doesn't. I got it when you explained it to me. So and that's always the, that's 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 the anatomy of a good joke is when Joel explains it, it make it's finally funny. Um, I dropped Jeep in the agenda because. One of just Jeep's distributors here in Australia got in a bit of trouble recently um, and the ACCC accepted an enforceable undertaking from them because their processes around handling customer complaints associated with the consumer guarantees uh, was a bit ordinary, I think to say the least. So they've been forced to improve their systems and I think that kind of feeds into a few things we've been talking about previously around businesses needing to make sure they actually have processes in place to deal with consumer guarantee complaints. So that's a pretty straightforward one um, and it really just shows the ACCC do pay attention and they listen to customer complaints. I'm just thinking, um, just goes back to that point of why Jeep's built to keep your tools from going rusty. Uh, resale price maintenance, you are giddy of delight with this one. The email announcement from the ACCC came out and I reckon about two minutes later the email from you came to me about where well, we're putting this in the recap. Uh, retail price maintenance, we have not spoken about that one in season one at all, have we? No, so resale price maintenance is a bit of a fun one, but as a lawyer it's well, a fun it's, one. It's fun for you. Um, we haven't talked about competition law in the podcast yet competition law is this really detailed intricate set of regulations and laws that kind of cover how businesses operate in an economy and how they work together to essentially see our economy operate and resale price maintenance is one of the one of the important areas in that so, and this this was a big part of your professional life and practice as well yes yeah, making sure people weren't trying to do this um <laughs> with clients so um resale price maintenance is, is unique so the idea is that businesses wholesalers manufacturers when they provide goods to retailers they can't tell retailers what the minimum price they can sell that product for is so um if you were to sell a box of glasses to a retailer and you, you, know, you pay $5 wholesale for it, and then the wholesaler can't go, you must sell this product for at least $15 because that is resale price maintenance. The business can choose whatever price it likes because the idea is that that benefits the customer. At the end of the day, if there's price variation in the market, that's good for the market because customers are getting a better deal and hopefully the business is being able to make more profit out of that. And, and I mean, it's probably pretty obvious, but uh, for the sake of it, why would a distributor or manufacturer want to engage in this type of practice? What's the benefit for them? So it's more of a branding thing, really. So the idea is if you've got a really um, like high premium quality product, um, let's go back to the glasses, right? You're selling, you've got your cheap glassware that you can buy off the shelf from you know, cheap as chips or whatever. But you know you might also have serious brands that are made of crystal or something a bit more boutique and you want to really create some prestige around that brand. So you don't want people being cheap um, I know you just picked up my glass it's from Ikea yeah, so it's not I don't not think, I don't the think pres- they've got that issue do they it's not at the prestige level of the, of the spectrum but um, 
the, the idea is that setting minimum prices can create that brand prestige and it's important from a marketing perspective because you're going, oh, we need to outlay some money to buy this nice product. Um, and it can also risk undercutting other suppliers and other retailers. So if you know one retailer goes, screw all of you, I'm selling your product for five bucks each. I don't care that the rest of you are only selling at 15. That has the risk of under, undercutting other retailers. So there's a couple of reasons for it. But because of the negative consequences to the customer and the consumer, it's banned completely in Australia. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes and sense. So I was, I was giddy with enjoyment. You were giddy with delight. Um, because the ACCC commenced proceedings against a company called um, Tectonic Industries uh, a couple of years ago. and uh, Nothing to do with the plates of the earth. No, absolutely nothing. They're a company that makes lots of like small electrical goods. So they're the manufacturer of, um, importantly for this case, um, Milwaukee. And they import that product into Australia and send it out to um, distributors. But they also are the manufacturer of like Rayo. Um, Vax, Hoover, like a whole bunch of different products. And they are really quite play a quite important role in the market. And so they were actually um, alleged to have engaged in resale price maintenance in relation to their Milwaukee products. So, mm. you know, it's not the cheapest set of tools you can buy from um, your hardware stores, but it's also not the most expensive. So it's that middle of the middle of the range kind of brand. And so they were alleged to have actually told retailers that you, they wouldn't actually provide the Milwaukee products to that retailer unless they sold it above a minimum price. They also offered inducements to retailers to not sell below that price. Um, and they did actually withhold from some retailers who were likely or had sold below minimum prices. So all of that conduct together becomes resale price maintenance because the business at the end of the day that's selling the product to the customers is the one who has to make the decision on pricing. And so Tectonic is going to have to pay a $15 million fine for that conduct. Um, that's a lot of drills. It's a lot of drills, um, but they are a big company, so they'll, they'll get over it. But um, it sets an important message, right? That businesses can't set minimum prices. Um, I should say retail recommended retail pricing is not a minimum price. Yeah. And businesses and retailers um, might sometimes have to abide by maximum prices. So yep. those glasses, I said to you, the cheap ones, you know, the supplier might say, you can only, you must not sell these above $10 a box. Yep. The retailer actually has to abide by that. And that, and that's not an issue. That's not an issue because the yep. customer is benefiting. Is, is they're the one that can not, they're the one that is now capped at what they're going to have to potentially spend. Yeah. Yep. It's an issue of when you're, uh, when you're saying that it's got to be, well, at least over this amount. Mm. And it comes a bit complicated because there's margins involved in markup and pricing and stuff. So, you know, some some retail, some manufacturers might set really high wholesale prices, so they can't have much fluctuation around their retail pricing. Um, but that's a bit of a different story around whether businesses want to stock those kind of lines. But the idea is this sets a nice um, precedent to remind businesses in the market that resale price maintenance is very bad. Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much involved with it. Uh, if you're listening to this and you actually do like to hear this price stuff, List does actually have a lot of knowledge in this area. Do let us know if you want to hear more about the pricing type stuff in, in season two. And I know I'm sounding facetious, but I actually mean that legitimately there. Uh, I find it interesting. I don't know this stuff. And so I'm I'm happy learning about it from List. If you guys want to learn from it, I think I just kicked the mic so that would be you nice did, and yeah. that would come through lovely. Hopefully if you're listening along <laughs> at home, it hasn't banged through your ears. Sorry for your deafening there. Anything else you want to talk about with that one, Liz? Or you're, you're okay with pricing? Cool. Nope. Oh, 
Well, that brings us to the end of this end-of-year extravaganza, the season spectacular, the festive festivities. I don't know. Did we work out what we were calling it? End-of-year extravaganza was my working title. I like end-of-year extravaganza. That's There's good. There's a lot of alliteration in there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we weren't that extravagant, but we could do better for next year. The content's always extravagant. <laughs> it's the Australian consumer law. It's, it's pricing. What more do you want? <laughs> right, so thank you very much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. We were blown away, actually, with how well um, Season 1 was received. So do you have any idea what our current list of statistics are? i got no idea. There's a statistic... Um... <laughs> I looked at our Spotify wrapped because that exists for podcasters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for the six of you out there, we're, we're your number one podcast. You probably need to. Group of legends. You, well, I was going to say you might need to first five. But little... No, no. Thank you very much for us being your number one listener. Listening. Yeah. And if you are one of those people we're your number one podcast, why? please get in touch and let us know because we would like to know why. Yeah. Yeah. We actually really would. Yeah. <laughs> we, we won't interrogate you. We, we would love to, uh, to, to know what you enjoyed. Um, we also, yeah, just want to see what's wrong with you. Yeah. I might, we might suggest some other podcasts. Yeah. I got, I got a few better suggestions than anyway. Anyway, cool. Now, we, look, we really appreciate the listeners, uh, the listening, I should say, you listening. Um, uh, yeah, please do let us know what you've enjoyed, what you'd want to hear more about, because I think we have committed to season two. I think we have. We have just cut out a whole bunch of potential options for brand partners, uh, especially in that last one there. Um, I would have loved to have got some free drills or um, or um, circular saws. But anyway, uh, we, we've committed to season two. Uh, we are looking forward to that. We've also got something else exciting that's coming up at the start of 2024. Oh, yeah, we do, don't we? We, we do, we do. We are coming out in public. We are, we are rocking up in person. You can get all the delight and extravagance of your podcast in person at the Suburban Brew in early 2024. We are going to be doing a live podcast episode. Yeah, so keep an eye out for the details. Check our socials. I don't, I don't think you can put it on the podcast because we'll have to record a whole episode just saying come to the Suburban Brew on something date. But yeah, no, no. Check, check the socials for that one. Yeah, no, looking forward to actually seeing people more than you. Yeah, that'll be good. I can, I can, I can. Yeah. Uh, that'll, that'll be good for you. I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, no, so we're, we're looking forward to that. Uh, I think we're probably going to have a couple of special guests along and I'm really looking forward to it. Look, this whole thing's just been a bit of a test. Uh, this will just be another test, another pilot. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I'm really looking forward to doing a live show. I think that will be fun. So we'll let you know when that's coming up. Uh, keep an eye on the socials. Thank you again to, for, to the Law Foundation of SA for making this first season possible. Uh, wouldn't have happened without your support, so we really do appreciate it. Uh, on that note, I think from the two of us, from uh, Grieger and Lisk from Joel Squared, we would just like to say thank you very much for listening. Have a great festive season. Enjoy yourselves. See you in 2024. Yeah, well, we hope to keep you up with the consumer law.